Welcome to a special Christmas edition of the Untold Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan James Norman. This month's show is going to be a little different. Instead of featuring a speculative fiction story, I'm going to be presenting a sermon to you. Now, before you turn the podcast off and hit the delete key, let me tell you that this is a pretty unique type of sermon, a sort of sermon most people have never seen or heard before. What I do in this sermon is to enter into the text and tell the story from the perspectives of one of the characters, as if I was that character. Ever since reading Dr. J. Kent Edwards' excellent book, Effective First-Person Biblical Preaching, I've been preaching these sorts of story-based sermons three to five times a year. So just think of this as a bonus episode to the rest of the speculative goodness we've been bringing to you each month. Our sermon text is based on Matthew chapter 2, 1 through 23, and was originally delivered to the Orchard Church in Traverse City, Michigan. All you have to do is sit back, relax, and picture me in a one-piece black unitard. I'm just kidding about that. You don't really have to picture me like that. This month's show is also going to be a little different, because we'll go right from the story into our closing song, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, by Peter Franson from Spirit Blade Productions. This is a great version of the song, folks, and if you like what you hear, you can download it for free over at spiritblade.net, or look at our show notes for a more direct link. And stick around after the song for a little something extra. So without further ado, A Shadow Over Christmas by Nathan James Norman. Greetings. Welcome to my great banquet hall, noble members of Jerusalem. I am honored to be among so many of my fellow Jews. I am honored that so many of my noble subjects have come here tonight. I know that many of you have traveled far. Many of you have come great distance. Thank you. Thank you for coming. I recognize many of your faces, but... Some of your faces I do not know, but you all know me. I'm your king, Herod the Great, Herod the Builder, Herod the King of the Jews. I know many of you have also heard stories about me. Don't believe them, unless they're flattering, of course. On my life, I do not understand why you are so upset with me. I don't understand why you don't like me. What kind of king do you want? What kind of king do you want? For decades, I have fought against invaders from the east who would come and destroy Judea and Jerusalem, and I've kept us safe. Not only that, 
but I have entered into an agreement with Rome where in exchange for the small taxes you pay to them, they allow us to live and rule ourselves in general, general autonomy. Beyond that, I have built great aqueducts to come here into Jerusalem, into this holy city to bring you fresh water and more water than we actually need. I have built towers in the holy city to protect us from all invaders. More than that, I have rebuilt and restored King Solomon's temple. I have placed marble around all of the facades and inlaid gold, so much so that when travelers are traveling, even when they are many miles off, they can look up and behold, they can see Jerusalem, the holy city, from a great distance. And not only that, but when we rebuilt it, when I rebuilt it, I did it according to the Torah. Caesar wanted to bring his own men to rebuild the temple, but I said no. We are going to follow the Torah. And so we only use priests who are trained as stonemasons to rebuild God's temple. I do not understand why you don't like me. I converted to Judaism for you. Do you not like me because I'm half Edomite? <laughs> well, I'm sorry, that's racist. Shame on you. I am a powerful king. And I have given all of you, my nobles, power. And your holy men I have given power in return, just in the same way that Rome gives me power. And I... I... I'm sorry. I'm very ill. I'm not well at all. My doctors told me not to have this meeting tonight to cancel. But I told them that some of you had come so far that I could not do that to you. Let me start at the beginning. About four months ago, magi, wise men, pagan astrologers, and philosophers who are well-versed in all of the ancient scriptures and texts, including our Torah and the rest of the Tanakh, they came into the city with a company of 40 men. They were 40 strong and also armed, and I knew that they came from the east. And so naturally, I was alarmed. I was disturbed. What were they here for? Were they invaders from the east coming to scout out our land? But I was even more disturbed when they began making inquiries to the citizens here in Jerusalem and began asking questions and said, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw His star rising in the east and we have come to worship Him. Many of you were here in Jerusalem on that day. And many of you saw how these pagan magi wanted to enter into our temple and make inquiries, but my men would not allow it. I know that you don't like me. 
but I give you power. I give you authority. I give you all of these things. That is the sort of king that you want. And when news was going around that maybe another king was born, you were just as disturbed as I was. Because I am the sort of king that you want. I am the rightful king of the Jews. And you know it. I was so disturbed that I summoned the chief priests and the scribes into the temple which I built. And we met into a a meeting hall just outside of the court of women. I didn't want anyone to hear what I was saying. And I asked them, and I had heard, I had heard just as, as I assumed these magi, these pagan philosophers would have heard about the stories that one day that a man from the line of King David would rise and he would come into power and take over the world. I had heard these myths. I had heard these fables. And so I asked the chief priests and the scribes, where was this fabled Messiah, this fabled Christ, this fabled son of David, this fabled king supposed to be born? And they were so eager to respond to me. And they said, why? In Bethlehem. In Judea. Because it's written in the prophet. O Bethlehem of Judah, though you are a small leader in Judah, one will rise out of you one day who will be a leader of my people Israel. And they were so eager to tell me this because they knew that if they pleased me, I would empower them. What kind of king do you want? You want one just like me. You want one just like me. So from the temple, I traveled across Jerusalem to the other side of the city into my palace. And while I was in my palace, I sent one of my trusted messengers, Balak, out to go find these magi and to invite them here into the banquet hall to have a feast in their honor. I did this in secret. And I know, I know, I know, I should have told all of you. But you have to understand, everything I do, I do for your benefit. Everything I do, I do for you. And I did not want to raise concern in Jerusalem and Judea that something was wrong. And so I called them in secret. There were 40 of them all together. 40 of them who came into this very banquet hall. And before you ask, I don't know how many of them were magi and how many of them were guards. At least three of them were magi. Maybe it could have been 12, maybe 20. I don't know. They all looked and dressed the same. But I gave them the choicest foods. And I gave them the most comfortable seats. And I gave them the finest of my wines. And as I spoke with them, one of them, I think his name was Belshazzar. He said, many of our magi, many of us magi, we believe and we know that one day 
there will be a king, a great king, who will rise up and he will rule all of Jerusalem and Judea. But not only there, he will rule the whole world and he will bring about an era of peace on the earth. And we know that this king will be a Jew. And then another one, uh, Melchor. He spoke up and he was so excited. He said, 18 months ago, 18 months ago, We Magi observed the sky and we saw Venus and we saw Jupiter converge and we knew that it was a sign that a great king had been born. And so we decided to set out to come find this king and to pay him honor. And I asked him, 18 months, why has it taken you so long to get here? And another one, Casper, spoke up and Casper said, King Herod, you don't realize We've traveled far from the east. We had to raise up funds. We didn't know how far we were going to have to travel. We had to raise funds and and find men to accompany us and protect us. It was only then that we could finally make our way. We had no clue how long we were going to travel. And already we've traveled 900 miles to come find this king. And Belshazzar spoke up immediately. And he told me, King Herod... This very day, we spoke to some of your priests and we found out that this this king was foretold to be born in Bethlehem, just south of here. See? And he brought out a box and he opened it up to show me all of their treasures. He said, we have brought these gifts to give to the king to honor him. Gold for his prophet. Frankincense to honor his presence with aroma, and myrrh to comfort him when his soul is in trouble and is in distress. I smiled. I talked. I asked about their families. I asked about how many children they had. I even talked to them about their beliefs. And as the night grew later and later, And they grew tired with sleep. And they grew heavy with wine. I, as the king of the realm, told them, go. Go to Bethlehem. Go seek out this child. And bring a report back to me so that I too may worship him. This realm will need a good king to protect it when I'm gone. And they were so tired, they fell asleep in this very banquet hall. It wasn't until late afternoon the next day that they awoke and set out, happy to be my spies. For the next few days, I imagined what their journey and what their meeting of this this Messiah, this King, this Christ would have been like. Bethlehem. (laughs) He was born in Bethlehem. A little flea-ridden, underfunded, underpopulated, underdeveloped town that was barely fit to travel through on the way to Hebron and beyond. And this king, this Messiah, this Christ was born in Bethlehem? (laughs) What kind of king do you want? I was born to a great family in a great city. My father 
My father was an advisor to kings and Caesars and high priests. I have had to take everything and all of the power that I've had and use my intellect and my strength. And these magi would go to Bethlehem. And I imagined them knocking on the door of some dirty hovel and going into that home. And a peasant woman, a peasant mother, terrified of who these men were, and she should be terrified. And these magi coming and finding this filthy child in his crib, covered in tattered clothes, and cooing, and eyeing, and ooing over this pathetic little child. And then them pulling out their gifts and giving them one by one. Any one of those gifts was worth more than that peasant little child could ever get his grubby little fingers on it if he worked his entire life. And these magi were giving them away, hoping that one day, this Christ, when He rules the hearts of men, would remember and reward them for what they did. It's pathetic. (laughs) I waited for a week. And I knew that they had traveled hundreds of miles. Of course, they were taking their time worshiping this Christ Messiah child. And when a month passed, I assumed that they were taking up residence. And if they wanted to take up residence in a flea-ridden inn, that was their business. But then another week went by. And then at the end of the month, I knew that these magi had deceived me. They had no intention of showing me where this Christ child was born. These pagan magi deceived me. Me! The king of the Jews! Do you have any idea what this meant? Always, 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 year after year, we have faced onslaughts from the east. I have had to protect our borders. I have built fortresses after fortresses, garrison after garrison, soldier after soldier to protect our land from the east. These magi had not come in peace. They had come to form an alliance with a would-be king so that one day when the time was right, they could usurp my power, overthrow Jerusalem, decimate the temple, and take my throne away from me, the king of the Jews. What kind of king do you want? What kind of king do you want? Do you want a king who will sit idly by for five, ten, twenty years waiting for a would-be king to gather up his forces and start a rebellion to take away my power and your power? Or do you want a king who will squash a rebellion before it is able to begin? 
I did what any good king ought to do. In my throne room, I called the captain of my guard. I called the captain, and I gave him an order. I gave him an immediate order to march with 40 of his men, 40 of his best men, into Bethlehem and to slay every single child that even looked like he was two years of age or younger. And he refused me. He refused me, his king, and your king. My sister Salome sided with the captain. I had her escorted out of the throne room. And then I told the captain to kneel before me. And then I ordered his lieutenant to execute his commanding officer immediately. And he did. He did. And my new captain took 40 of his men, marched out of my palace through the gates of Jerusalem to Bethlehem and carried out my orders. And I, a pious man, remained here in Jerusalem. After my orders were carried out, I had the men search Bethlehem, but they could find no child who looked like a king, like a Messiah, like a Christ. Nor could they find any of the gifts the Magi was supposed to give this child of gold, frankincense, or myrrh. I had my men search all the way to my eastern border, all the way to the western borders, and all the way to the southern borders, but they could not find this child. All of my power, all of my influence, all of my armies, and a two-year-old little boy escaped me. I don't know why you're all upset with me. It was only 20 children in Bethlehem. None of them were your children. I've had to execute three, four, no more than five of my own sons in order to protect my power, your power, and the entire land of Judea. You must understand, everything I do, I do for you. Everything I do, I do to protect you. What kind of king do you want? What kind of king do you want? Do you want some king just because he's somehow destined to rule? Or do you want a king who has been raised among kings, a king who has experience, a king who has grabbed everything he needs and every 
bit of power that he has by his own hands. And do you want a king who, true, has power over you, but who gives you power so that you can lord it over others? What kind of king do you want? And don't forget, don't forget, I rebuilt Solomon's temple. You could not have a right relationship with God without me. Never forget that. This Christ child may very well be a son of David. But he is a peasant. And Rome will destroy him. And his own people will reject him just as they so easily gave up his location to me before. In 30 years, if he ever rises to power, take it from me. Do not bend your knee. Do not bow. All kings are tyrants. If this Christ ever comes to power, he won't care about you or your family. This Christ won't care about whether you're a good person or a bad person. This Christ will demand everything from you and give you nothing in return. This Christ won't know your name, let alone know your face. This Christ will sacrifice your lives to save his own. Everyone, everyone follows someone. What kind of king do you want?
What kind of king do you want? What kind of king should you want? We should want the kind of king that God has given us. Herod was a monster. But you know what? Herod was a guy just like all the other kings and all the other leaders of the world. Imperfect, flawed, sinful. Jesus is the sort of king who cares about you and cares about your family. Jesus is the sort of king who loves for you and cares for you. 
Jesus is the sort of king who did not come to be served, but came to serve. Jesus is the sort of king who knows your faces and knows you by name. Jesus is the sort of king who did not live for himself, but sacrificed himself, who gave up himself so that we could have eternal life through him. He's the one who gave up himself, who stepped out of eternity, who suffered death on a cross so that we could have a right relationship with God and we could have eternal life. So that if we put our faith, our trust in him, we can have our sins forgiven and have eternal life. But he's also powerful. He's power under control. He doesn't need to take power. He's the most powerful person in all creation and beyond creation. He's God. He was resurrected from the grave. He ascended into heaven and he waits now to return again just so that as many men and women will come to faith, come to trust in Him. This Christmas as we're celebrating Jesus' first coming and we look forward to His second coming, make sure that Jesus is your Lord. Make sure that Jesus is your Savior. Make sure that Jesus is your Master. Make sure that Jesus is your Christ. Make sure that Jesus is your King. Because at the end of the day, everybody follows someone. What kind of king do you want?